me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 and Colossians chapter 3. Again, the title of today's message is You Are, and we're going to work on understanding our identity. And, and I have to believe that this is going to be a part one and we'll finish up um, next week, part two. Are you unsure of your role in life? Do you feel like you don't know the real you? Do you struggle with insecurity, self-worth, or pride? If you answer yes to any of these questions, you may be experiencing what's known as identity crisis. Theorist Eric Erickson coined the term identity crisis and believed that it was one of the most important conflicts people face in development. The question for today is, is the church today suffering from an identity crisis? Do we really know who we are as people of God? If I were to ask you, are you a Christian? I have no doubt that the majority of you would answer yes. You see, this would be the expected answer. But if I ask you, why are you here? I would get a variety of answers. The simplest answer would be because this is my church. But I tell you, this is not the correct answer. This is not your church. You, Christian, are the church. You are the church. We have so much dissatisfaction among members of the church today because we have an identity crisis. We have forgotten who we are in Christ. If you are dissatisfied with the church, then in reality, you are truly suffering from identity crisis because you are dissatisfied in yourself. If you are the church, oh, church is boring. You're boring. Oh, the church is, uh, you know, out of date. You're out of date then. The word of God is never out of date. Matthew 16, starting with verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, Oh, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, Jesus asked? Who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Let me show you a couple things, just in those small few scriptures. Jesus is trying to get them to understand that their identity is found when they find out who he is. Who is Jesus? The identity. Who do you say I am? And the rock that he says, on this rock, I will build my church, is on this idea right here. The identity of Christ. You know, I've heard people preach, well, it's on Peter that the whole church is built. Jesus is the cornerstone. The identity of who Jesus is, is upon which the church is built. Upon your foundation, who you are has to be built on who he is and the understanding of Jesus. My church, I love it. Jesus said, I will build my church. Not your church, not the church down the road, my church. I will build my church. 
It goes on to say the gates, the gates of Hades, the gates of hell. You understand what a gate is. A gate is built around something it's trying to keep inside. See, too many times we've talked about this scripture as if we're the defending ones and the gates of hell are coming against us. That doesn't make sense. That's like picking up the gate and they're running with it toward you. No, the gate is put in place around the hell or the thing that hell is trying to, to hold in. But it said those gates cannot stand against us. So when we go after what the enemy has stolen and put a gate around and said, I've got it, it's mine. Those gates cannot stand against us. Hell and death. The gates of hell and death. So you go up against that sickness. You go up against that person you know, that has cancer, whatever, those gates cannot stand against us when we know who we are and we're built upon the foundation of who he is. The gates of hell cannot stand against us. The keys. Do you notice in your Bible? I mean, like I've told you many times, I'm not an English major. So when these things are revealed to me, I know it's his wisdom because I don't. I'm, yeah. Verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. What's that right there? It's a semicolon, right? Is that what that's called? With the little dot and the little, yes? I'm, I'm looking at you. You're all nodding. Okay, good. English people are saying yes. That means what I just said, here it is. What I just said, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Here it is. This is the keys. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. There's the keys. Semicolon. There's the keys. I'm going to give you the keys. That's the keys. Think about what keys mean. Keys mean authority. Power. Access. Right? Authority. Power. Access. Somebody hands you the keys to their house says, I'm going away, go ahead, whatever's in there, you can uh, have, use, it's all yours, here's the keys. What does that mean? You have full access, you have full authority, you have full power, you are the caretaker of that house and all of its resources. You are the steward in charge. It's yours. Here's the keys. I don't think you're getting that. God says, here's the keys. To what? To the kingdom of heaven. And I'm going to explain to you why it goes on to say, whatever you see in heaven, I'm sorry, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Or in other words, whatever you see taking place in heaven, you can make known to the earth. Whatever you don't see in heaven, you bind that on earth. It's not to take place. Well, how can I do that? Here's the keys. Here's the keys. Oh, by the way, and anytime you see a gate and the enemy tries to barricade you out, those gates can't stand against you. Everything is based upon who Jesus is to you, and that's where you'll find out who you are. You must understand who Jesus is in order to understand who you are. Let me show you why. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. Let me turn over there. Remember, it's easy to find Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. What's the acronym? Go eat popcorn, man. Go eat potato chips. Yum. What, what's the other ones? I don't remember. Colossians 3. Here it is. Starting with verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. 
your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. I'm going to read to you Oswald Chambers' devotion on the hidden life. He says, The Spirit of God testifies to and confirms the simple but almighty security of the life that is hidden with Christ in God. Paul continually brought this out in, this, in his New Testament letters. We talk as if living a sanctified life were the most uncertain and insecure thing we could do. Yet, it is the most secure thing possible because it has Almighty God in it and behind it. The most dangerous and unsure thing is to try to live without God. For one who is born again, it is easier to live in a right standing relationship with God than it is to go wrong. Providing we heed God's warnings and walk in the light. Walk in God. When you really see Jesus for who he is and who we are in him, I defy you to doubt him. When he says, let not your heart be troubled, I defy you to worry. It is virtually impossible to doubt when he is there. When you are in personal contact with Jesus, his words are real to you. My peace I give you, Jesus says. A peace which brings an unconstrained confidence and covers you completely from the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Your life is now hidden with Christ in God. And the peace of Jesus that cannot be disturbed is now in you. In you. I got this picture and I wanted to do this, but I have to admit the the girlish me came out and I'm thinking if I do this, we're all going to walk around with staticky hair and, you know, clingy thing. But I wanted to bring in a large blanket and show you this. So turn on your creative minds and picture with me a minute. If because this is talking about hidden with Christ in God. Hidden with Christ in God. It's as if you slip yourself under a blanket and stand there. And you're like, oh, isn't that beautiful? No, picture this. He says you're hidden with Christ as if I step under the blanket. I'm with Christ under God. Now, one person standing there with the blanket, if I was to walk up to Dale, who would he see? He would see the blanket. I'm under the blanket, but he sees the blanket. If I'm hidden with Christ in God, wherever I go, you see God. You see Christ. If Mike and Anna, and if they join me and they finally get it and they get under this blanket with me, now there's a bigger area under the blanket, right? And now if Betty and Dale and some others say, I get it, and they slip under the blanket, they're like, yes, I'm hidden with Christ in God. I'm under. Now there's a great big blanket covered what? God. God. Who do people see? God. Do they see you anymore? No, they see God. How does this work? I don't know. But it's the synergy of the church hidden with Christ. In God. And now wherever we go, people don't see you. They see God. That's how this whole Bible works. You wonder why people can pick and choose. And well, this is, is no longer valuable and, or viable. And, and this is outdated. And well, I don't understand. Because they're not putting it all together. It's like reading a good, and I hate to, you know, bear with me a minute. 
It's like reading a good novel. And you go to the back and you say, oh, the butler did it. What did the butler do? You got to read the whole story. You wonder how it all fits together. You have to, for one thing, as soon as you slip under God, you're seeing parts of God that you can't see from the outside in. You sit there and you look at God and try to figure him out. And he's saying, you know, if you just slip in here, I'll show you parts of me nobody else has ever seen. And you know what? When you go about doing whatever you're doing around, everybody will see me instead of you. My prayers changed lately since I started. I mean, I've been in the ministry 25 years. I, I grew up in a church under the pew. But to begin to, in, but that I think we're too often we're looking at God from the outside in and trying to do Christian life from the outside in. Like we have to earn God's approval in order to step under his blanket. Of covering that doesn't make sense to me. Or clean ourselves up or somehow make ourselves worthy before we can slip in. That doesn't make sense. That was Old Testament. As a matter of fact, when you start living like that, you're taking yourself out of grace and putting yourself under the law. You want to be judged by the law? I don't. I can't even begin to be as good as the Sadducees and the Pharisees and see they were sad and fair and not good. But the minute we slip under, who do you say I am? Jesus said, you are Christ. You are the anointed. You are the living son of God. And we go and step into him. Then wherever we go, whatever we do, we're touching people as God. We're seeing people as God sees them. We're talking to them as God's voice and mouthpiece. Do you understand the difference? We're struggling in an identity crisis because we keep trying to earn God's approval or, or get into God through something we do. He says, I gather my heart breaks. I want to gather you in like a, like a hen gathers in her chicks under her wing. But you won't let me. Because I can do this, God. I can do this, God. Good luck with that. I can't do that. I can't do this. I am fully, utterly, helplessly, completely dependent on God. I can't do this. Nor do I want to try because when once I stand before God, well, the Bible says we all will and have to give an account. I certainly want God to see Jesus first. Because I live my life to lift him up, him up. God, let them not see me. Let them see you, your son, what he did. Not me, not what I can do. I can do nothing apart from you. My righteousness is as filthy rags. But you said, here's my robe. Put it on. We have an identity crisis. He goes on to say in Colossians, set your hearts, set your minds, set your hearts, set your minds. This is our decision. Set your hearts, set your minds. You have to retrain what you believe, retrain what you think. See, because isn't it? I, I remember my Sunday school teacher taking her little ruler and slapping my hand a few times because my mouth would get me in trouble. <laughs> Brenda, don't say that. Mm. Brenda, stop doing that. Mm. You have to be good. I remember hearing that all that. Be good, be good, be good. Right? What do we tell our kids? Be good. What do we tell our dog when we leave the house? Be good. Like they're saying, oh, okay. You do it, though, don't you? I know I do. Every time. Be good. Be good. Be good. Be good. Be good. We have to retrain our mind. He's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. When? All the time. All the time. He is good. You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. 
You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. Your, in, your inner kingdom attracts things to your outer kingdom like a magnet pulls into your situation. Your thoughts attract your thoughts, what you believe, what you think. I knew it. I knew it. Having a bad day and a bad day is what I had. I knew it. The whole world is evil. I keep stepping on this cord, this button. If all you see is evil in the world, what will you see in the world? Well, hello. Yeah. If all you see is negative, what will you receive? Negative. Proverbs 12 says, by the fruit of your lips, by the fruit of your lips, your harvest comes. That's what you'll get. By the fruit of your lips. Retrain what you believe. Retrain what you think. Set your heart. Set your minds. If what you believe does not reflect truth, then what you feel will not reflect reality. Now, I was going to bring you some scientific proof, medical evidence that there are people in medical, his medical books set up where people have actually, by the way they think, brought upon sickness in their body. There's actual medical history. More than once, ladies have actually trained their body into believing they're pregnant when they're not. And their body, their actual belly grows as if they're pregnant. The power in the mind is crazy. And you can turn, I mean, I've heard doctors say, when, I mean, because I sat with my friend who went through cancer and I went to every appointment with her and everything. And he said, and was not a Christian, he said, if you can keep your mind positive, positive will happen. And her and I looked at each other, because we were both Christians, and we're like, you mean like on God? Like that he heals all, that he can destroy cancer, that cancer can't stay? Well, if that's what you want to believe. As long as it's positive. Even non-Christians, or not yet Christians, believe in the power of setting your mind. Set your mind. Change the way you believe. The word again, repent, means to change the way you think. From worldly thinking. He said not on earthly things. On what? On things above. What's that things above? Where you're seated with Christ. Where you're seated with Christ. 2 Corinthians 10.5 Again, you are not what you think you are, but you, but what you think you are. If what you believe does not reflect truth, then what you feel will not reflect reality. Do you realize, for, before we get into this, that there's an order that's supposed to take place within you? Your flesh, your feelings are not master. Your thoughts, your feelings should not be the, the all in all of what you do and what you believe. Well, I don't believe that. What's truth? God's spirit in you speaks truth. That's first. Then you tell your, your heart, you tell your mind, you tell your feelings, get in line behind the truth of God. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Let me just say demolish. I love that word. It's not we break it. We snap it. We tuck it away. We put it in the trash can. We demolish it. We demolish. And I mean like, you know, taking a sledgehammer to one little thing. You demolish it. 
We, who does? We demolish arguments and every pretension. And let me tell you, I've read that word a hundred, hundred thousand times. I looked up the definition to it because pretension, you just, have you ever just read through words and just kept reading? Thinking, yeah, I know what that means. Mm -hmm. Pretension is a claim or the assertion of a claim to something not theirs. It's trying to stake claim to something that's not theirs. A pretension is trying to stake claim to something that's not theirs. Oh, well, you don't believe this. God didn't really say that. It's also the use of a pretend feeling. That's what pretension means. So it's trying to state claim to something that's not its own and using pretend feelings to state that claim. We demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge, the truth of God. This is the truth of God. Your word, the Bible, and we take captive. Doesn't mean we shoo it along like, a, you know, go away, go away. We demolish, we take captive, and we make it obedient to Christ. Get down to the cross and kneel to the cross. Demolish, take captive. And make it obedient to the cross. I, I don't, I, everything in me goes, oh, 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 oh. I just, if I could just roar right now, I would. Because it's just, I love that God says you are fierce. What? In me. That all your enemies tuck tail and run when you know who you are. So anything that tries to come up, any thought, any argument, any pretend feeling that tries to state claim in your life, which is wrong, it's not theirs, the lie is not theirs, that's not true, you demolish it, take it captive, and make it obedient to Christ. And let me just, no, I better not, all the animal rights activists will come out against me. Okay, you've done it. I know you've done it. I've done it. When the puppy does his little doo-doo, what do you want to do to that puppy? Take his little nose right over there and look at the naughty. Right? And then you throw him out the door. That's where you go, potty, not on my carpet. That fierceness. It says grab a hold of that thought, that pretend feeling Grab it by the back of the neck. No, it's not true. Make it obedient to Christ. And no, get out of here. Right? Come on. It's not a defensive stand. It is an offensive attack upon. Do something about it. If it's not God's truth, demolish it. Take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. Take every thought captive from the very beginning. The minute something pops up, you should go, truth, not truth, not truth, not staying here. Not after you've rolled it over in your mind a hundred times and smeared its toxic venom all over your emotions, enslaving your body to its poison. The minute, the second that thought comes in and you go, is that true? Line it up to the word. It's not. <clears throat> Demolish it. Take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. I don't care what my body says. I don't care what a hundred people tell me. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not truth and it will not stay here. I take it captive and make it obedient to Christ. I shared with you before that pain that I went through. I have no idea what brought on that pain in my back. 
that fast. At any moment, I could have bowed to it, that pretend feeling, something that was trying to stake claim to my body. Oh, look, you're always going to be like that. See, you're old. Those doctors that said that, oh, you've got this, you got that. Three different doctors, three different x-rays, three different diagnoses. This is it. This is the rest of your life. I actually said to one of them, I said, is this the rest of my life? I think I'm pretty young. You know, I'm still in my 40s, at least for this year. Is this really the rest? Yep, yeah, this is the rest of your life. But what can I do about it? Nothing. It's just going to continue to get worse. It was a pretend feeling that was trying to stake claim to something that is a lie. Is a lie. I had to tell it. I had to keep telling my body, it's a lie. Devil, you're a liar. God says I'm healed. I'm healed. The son of the pastor for seven years, seven or nine years, every day had to speak over his son who was laying there crippled, unable to walk, unable to talk, and keep saying, you are healed, you are healed, you are healed, you have been healed, you have been healed. Why? Because what he saw in God was not what was supposed to be in him. That death and Hades and hell and the grave, those gates could not stand against the word of God. If you don't recognize the wrong thought as a tool of the enemy, you won't do anything to take that enemy out. Well, it must be true. I feel it. Feelings are liars. Your feelings, if you haven't figured this out, are temperamental. Your feelings, we are not supposed to be the thermostat, or I'm sorry, the thermometer that feels life around us, and then we say, yes, okay, we're having a good day or a bad day. We're a thermostat. We set the temperature. So that wherever we go, again, under that blanket, wherever we go, that's why we know we carry the presence of God. When we're hidden in him, wherever we go, God is. I just said that to somebody not too long ago. They're, they're considering to do something. Do I go here or, or do I go here? And I said, well, wherever you go, if you're in God, God goes with you. Doesn't matter. I mean, I truly believe in God. Is this your will to go? But not to the point where I'm turmoiled and, and, and confused and, 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 and rendered you know, immobile from doing something. I mean, I tell my kids all the time because we've got to where, you know, they were just starting to do something, but they'd constantly be looking at us trying to do something. I'm like, stop looking at me. Just do it. I'll correct you if you get out of line, if you do it wrong. We'd be sitting in the living room. They'd be clear over in the kitchen. They're trying to do something looking at us. Like, what do you think? What do you think? What do you think? I'm like, look at what you're doing. Look at where you're going. God's with you. God's on you. And he'll direct you. He'll pull the reins back. No, we're heading this way. No, oh, okay, we're going this way. Yeah, stay yielded to him. My world has been rocked in this little bitty book. It's about this big by Watchman Nee, who wrote it back in 1930, 40, 70, I don't know, something nice, something long time ago. Was that 1830s? No, it was the 1930s. Anyway, his book is titled Sit, Walk, Stand, and it's a study on Ephesians. And in it, he talks about that a person, a Christian, sorry, a Christian can't begin to walk in Christ properly until they first learn sitting in Christ. Until you know where you're seated with Christ. Until you know who you are in Christ, you can never be who you're called to be. Otherwise, you constantly keep pulling yourself out of his covering and going to do. Or like I said earlier, you try to do to get under the covering and it's all backwards. He says the Christian life consists of sitting with Christ, walking by him and standing in him. We begin our spiritual life by resting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. 
That rest is the source of our strength for a consistent and unfaltering walk in the world. And at the end of a grueling warfare with the host of darkness, we are found standing with him in victory. You see that now? But see, we constantly try to stand against the devil in our strength. And he like beats the crap out of us. We get thrown back and go back crying to God. Oh, and he's like, you, you got it all backwards. Sit in me. Then once you understand who you are in me, then you can begin walking in my strength. And then when the enemy comes, we can take a stand. Gates of hell cannot prevail. It's like you got something that belongs to God. I'm here to take that. Oh, 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 oh. You, I know I've said this before. Who's the lion of Judah? Who's the lion of Judah? Jesus. Jesus is the lion of Judah. The enemy is told in the Bible that he goes around roaring like, quote unquote, a lion. His roar sounds more like, meow, meow. But in our minds, we blow him up as, oh, the enemy, here he comes. But when we hear the roar behind us, with us, through us, in us, when we take a stand, that kitty got to scurry away. <clears throat> over and over again, the word says that when we're hidden with God, that our enemy can't even stand in our presence. Why? Not us. Him. Him. How many has watched Happy Days? Thank you, old people. Thank you, Netflix. The Fonz. Hey, right? Richie, puny little redhead, right? I love it when he stands up. He finally musters up the strength in himself to stand up against this gang. And he thinks he's looking real tough. And he gums up against the gang and he's like, yeah, I'm here, I'm here. Mm. And all of a sudden the gang's like, yeah, right, you're here. And all of a sudden they get a look beyond his shoulder, right over his shoulder. There's the Fonz standing there, slipped up behind Richie. Never, Richie never seen it. And those guys are like, okay, all right, all right, we're out of here. We're out here. And Richie's like, yeah. He doesn't realize the Fonz is right behind him. Same thing. God says, in me, through me, I'm behind you. I am your rear guard. I'm going to show you all the things that God says I've already done. And I will continue to do where? For you. When? Now. Why? Because you're seated in me. You're hidden with Christ in me. But when we pull ourselves out and try to run and do this and do that and do this, he just stands there and says, well, how's that working for you? Now, I got all the victory right here. If you just stay tucked up right here, what does the word say? Draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Then you can resist the devil and he will flee. Because now you're standing in God, under God. Our Christian life does not begin with a do, but instead a big done. It's already done. God, through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has done everything for us. And God made Jesus to set beside him and then made us to set with him. Do you understand? You are seated with Christ. Jesus sits at the right hand of God. You are sitting with Christ at the right hand of God. Under his big covering. That's why he said all these things I'm showing you up underneath, in me, near me, close to me. You see anything in this world that you don't see here, bind it. You don't see what's going on here that you see can go on here? Loose it. That's the keys to the kingdom of heaven. But it starts here, up under him, hidden in him. 
I got to wrap this up. Somebody's taking too long here. Uh, we'll save that for next week. We'll save that. We'll save that for next week. When once you understand your identity in Christ, that you are hidden in God, then you can love as Christ. You can forgive as God has forgiven you. You can love as God loved you. You can be holy as God is holy because you're not doing anything. You understand that difference? Please, I hope somebody gets this today. It's God in you. Paul understood that. That's why he could say it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He can't give you a command that he knows you cannot do. Do you understand that? That would be an unjust God. That would be totally unfair, man. Right? Tell me to do something you know I can't do. How is that possible? And haven't you thought that when you read that scripture, be holy as I am holy? And you're like, really? How am I supposed to do that? You can't. Stop trying. He said, all you have to do is hide your life with Christ in God. And then all his virtues, all his character, all him is now in you and moving through you. You're under the blanket. Who do they see? God. Who's moving? Who's walking? Who's talking? God. You cannot be God's child by your own works. You can't walk and do what God commands of us on your own good behavior. If so, you're no more than the Pharisees or Sadducees without the need of God. Stop seeking the virtues that you lack as items apart from God. If you bury yourself under the wing of God, keep yourself hidden with Christ, all his virtues are yours. See, and in his book, he, talk, he gives examples of people who were those people where we get in trouble with a certain individual and we're like, oh, that person always rubs me the wrong way. Lord, help me love them. And we actually start to, God, pour your love in me. Just give me your love so I can love them. And he's like, you're trying to do this apart from me and trying to pull at my virtue of love. My love is in me. Hide yourself in me and my love will go through you. You are. Write these down. Meditate on them for next week. Are you ready? Somebody made that clock go faster. I know it. It's probably because I haven't preached in two weeks, too. You are a child of God. You are co-heirs with Christ now. The inheritance is for now, and I'll share that next week. You're co-heirs with Christ now. You are seated with Christ. You are hidden with Christ in God. You are the body of Christ, of which Christ is the head. You are. More than conquerors, you have already been given the victory. You are more. That's what more than conquerors mean. You've already been given the victory. You are worthy. You're not made worthy. You are worthy. Your value is determined on what God did to redeem you. Cost him his one and only son. You are worthy. You are valuable. You are holy in his sight. None of these statements are you will be, you could be, some of you may be. No, once you surrender your life to God, you are, period. So as I close, the altar call for today is to simply relook at that Colossians 3. Colossians 3 again says, since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, and right here, here it is, for you died. For you died. And now your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
for you died. Well, what does that mean? How can I be born again? For you died. That's the real issue. See, for most Christians, we want all the blessing. We want all the good things. But we don't want to die to self. Oh, can I still do this? Can I still do that? If God goes with me everywhere? For you died. And now you are hidden with Christ in God. You can't be hidden with God and be holding on to the world. All you have to do is let go. Let go of trying. Let go of toiling and struggling with sin and simply let God. All he's done, all he'll do. Stop doing and rest in all God has done and is doing for you. For you died. So let me ask you guys to all stand right now. And I don't know if you realize this, but struggling and toiling is exasperating. It's exhausting. It's tiring. It's confusing at times. Something God never prepared for you, or planned for you. He prepared a life, abundant life, a full life, a conqueror's life for you. When once you die to self, Jesus has done for you. Take upon you his robe of righteousness, his shed blood, his forgiveness, his atoning sacrifice that paid for everything you've done and everything even you will do. Paid it all and be united with Christ. As your Savior and your Lord, let everything else go. Then he scoops you up, puts his robe of righteousness on you, his crown upon your head, and he grabs a hold of you and he puts you right on the throne with Jesus, the right hand of God, and hides you under all his glory. That's what he wants for you. So if you're done with toiling and struggling and trying to do this on my own, and you might have been a Christian for 50 years, and you're like, that's why this has been so hard. I've been struggling with that one sin forever. This is why it's so hard. You're trying to do it apart from God. It's time to let go. Let go. Let go. And take on all God has done. you're ready you say Brenda that's it Pastor Brenda that's it I've done it I, I'm, I'm sick of trying to do this on my own and I'm ready to just surrender to God would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you I don't want you to leave today this is too important I see your hand it's too important don't you dare leave thinking you can do this on your own any longer I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Come on. He's done everything. What are you struggling for? Do you really think you can earn your way to heaven? Do you think that you can, by your good works, somehow make yourself holy? Jesus lives to intercede at God's right hand. You know what he's saying? He's sitting on the edge. Come on! 
I'm right here. I want to scoop you up and put you on the seat with me. Let me scoop you in. Stop struggling. Come on. Come on. You have this one sin, this one issue, this one thing that just keeps tormenting you. Maybe it's a thought. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a choice. Maybe it's a mindset. Maybe it's something that happened to you in your past and you just can't seem to get over it. You keep coming face to face with it. Maybe it was somebody else's choice and you're just the victim of it. And you can't get past it. And you think, I'm just done. I'm done. Today's the day for your breakthrough. If that's you, raise your hand. I want to pray with you. That's your breakthrough. Today's your day of breakthrough. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Today's your day of breakthrough. Do you understand that God says that if you confess to one another, that means her individual with her individual, broken individual with broken individual, human with human, confess to each other, then you will be healed. Why? Because that broken, that once broken individual that's now hidden under Christ grabs you by the hand and pulls you in. Come on. You're not too far gone. You're not too far broken. You haven't run too far. You haven't done too much. God's right here within arm's reach. He'll grab you and pull you in. Father, you've seen the hands. God, you've seen the hands. You've seen the hearts. You know their story. Father, right now, by your Holy Spirit, I ask that you begin to flood them with your love. Draw them in. Grab a hold of them, Lord. Tuck them in under your wing, O oh Lord. Oh, Father. And with their mouths, with their mouths, they will confess, Lord. If it was by their choice or even not by their choice, if they were they were a victim of somebody else's choice, they'll confess, Lord, today they declare today is the day of their new life with you. The old man is dead. The old thoughts are dead. The old feelings are dead because we are now hidden with you in Christ Jesus. We ask you now to become the leader, the Lord, the Savior of these that raised their hand and said, yes, today's my day. And for those who raised their hand and said, today's my day for breakthrough. I'm sick of struggling and toiling and working and trying to get victory over this. You have already been made a victor. You are more than a victor. You are a conqueror in him, in him. So at the close of today, right now, let's just flood the altar right now and let's just surrender to him. If you're beginning a new life with Christ, if you're surrendering that thing, that thought, that mindset, that whatever it is, you're surrendering. You're declaring today is your day of breakthrough. Bring it. Bring it. Come on. Let's do that.